Welcome to the GW Business of Sports podcast. We talk about sports, careers, mentors, leadership, and a lot more here. And we do the show from the Foggy Bottom Campus in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Hyman, professor in the Business of Sports program at GW. My producer is Henry Levy. Bill Carter knows a lot about millennials. He'd be the first person in sports that I'd turn to for an understanding of how younger sports fans think and spend. Bill's sports marketing and research firm, Fuse Marketing, got its start in action sports, creating sponsorships for brands like Mountain Dew. Over the years, Fuse's client list has included Amazon, Starbucks, Cheetos, and many others. Bill visited the GW campus recently, and we had a chance to chat about sports and the art of the idea. Bill Carter, welcome to GW. Thanks very much. Where do good ideas come from? I think good ideas come from individuals who have done their homework and really tried to best formulate the idea and how they can see the idea working in practice. I don't think the best ideas are formulated by groups. I think groups and brainstorms have a role in editing and sometimes improving ideas, but I'm a big believer in an individual person having quiet time and space to think and do their own research and flush things out on their own. Uh, Are ideas that become important parts of successful campaigns, are they always evident right away? Do you know, wow, that's a good idea when you you hear it? I, I wouldn't say... It, they're so evident that that they get you jumping up and down when you hear them. But I guess I do compare it in some ways to when I hear a, a great musician or a songwriter talk about writing a hit song. We both heard probably so many times, I wrote that song in 10 minutes. I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought about it and I scribbled down the notes and those notes became the song in 10 minutes the next morning. And and I guess I've always taken that as a sign that a really good idea does come pouring out, that it doesn't need to be worked on extensively. Um, And sometimes I do find even on my own, in my, my own work, that if I try too hard on a single idea, I spent too much time, I realized that it was probably never that great to begin with, and I often uh, pass on those ideas. Interesting. Let's talk a little bit about action sports. Um, of course, Fuse Marketing has been identified with snowboarding and the action sports space for a long time. Um, What changes do you think we will see in action sports over the next 10 years? How will that space change? 
Well, I think the changes will be both positive and negative depending on maybe your place in the action sports ecosystem. And, um, and, and I know that's very uh, sort of bland and vanilla as a starting point, but I'll, I'll, I guess I'll explain this way. If you were a snowboard participant, for instance, and you began participating as a teenager in the early 1990s or a young adult in the early 1990s, and now you're in your late 30s or in your 40s, um, it's very likely that you're still snowboarding. Um, but now you have a family, and uh, they may or may not snowboard. Uh, there's uh, research that indicates they'll certainly pick up a snow sport, but it could be skiing. Uh, there's a pretty good chance it will be skiing. Um, but you're a different kind of consumer. Um, you're a consumer now who snowboards, um, uh, maybe does uh, snowboard trips, is buying equipment for yourself and your family every one or two years. Um, and so as the sports like snowboarding have aged, it's become a challenge to always bring in younger consumers uh, to sort of supplement the sport's growth. So as we've seen uh, those mid to late 90s entrants into the sport grow older, um, getting other consumers to sort of fill in behind them is not has not been easy. So in five or 10 years, uh, it's, it, it's difficult to say whether the participation of the sport will be significantly down, maybe down 15, even 20% from where it is today, or if the sport will have rebounded or if skiing will uh, continue uh, it's it's rise with younger consumers as it has today. Yeah, as adults begin to um, participate in extreme sports, almost by definition, they become less extreme for kids. Kids are looking for more extreme ways to participate. I, I think that's true, but I also think there's a a culture. Um, a wider youth culture that also changes. So uh, there's no question, and I and I won't argue at all or uh, disagree at all with the point that young people tend to pursue activities that their parents are not active participants in. Um, but there is a shift in youth culture attitudes towards parents in general, having nothing to do with sports. Um, and in no time uh, have we ever seen more young people identify their parents as people to look up to, referring to them as friends, referring to them in some cases as best friends. And so that phenomena also needs to be sort of considered into the picture. So just because your parents participate 
in snowboarding or in skateboarding or surfing doesn't automatically sort of disqualify those sports as something you would take a look at, where it might have been if we were having this discussion 30 years ago. Mm. So what accounts for that change, do you think? Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try really hard to not uh, make this a uh, political discussion, <laughs> but um, there's no question in some ways youth culture in some, in, in, along some lines is more conservative uh, than they were 30 years ago or in the previous generation. Um, more family oriented, um, all kinds of statistics on uh, everything uh, from uh, the number of teens who smoke, the number of teens who drink, teen pregnancy rates, all of those things are really at half um, the, the numbers that you would have seen 20 and 25 years ago. Let's talk about you. I'd be curious to know whether uh, when you were a senior in college, whether the path that your career has taken would have been a surprise to you. Is this what you envisioned you would be doing with your life? No. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm absolutely shocked that I'm sitting here with you today. <laughs> Um, I'm not absolutely shocked, but this was really not my in my consideration set as a senior in college. I really uh, thought that I was going to be a college lacrosse coach. And uh, when I graduated uh, from Gettysburg College, I took a graduate assistantship and coached for three years in the athletic department at Michigan State. Um, and it was during that time that uh, I, I really had decided that as much uh, affection as I have for college coaches uh, in the coaching profession, which I, I still love very much and, and um, think it's a, an admirable uh, profession, it just wasn't for me. Um, I, I really found um, I carried a, a lot of the, the losses around and found very little enjoyment in the winning. And um, I looked into the future and thought that that was a really um, desperate way to live. <laughs> so it was time for me not to do that. Um, and I also, I think as a senior in college, thought that I uh, might want to be a journalist. Um, and I had been a creative writing major and, and uh, somewhere along the lines uh, that, that one dropped out of consideration as well. Talk a little bit, if you will, about um people that you surround yourself with at Fuse, what do you value in coworkers and employees at Fuse? I, I really, I guess it goes back to your, the first question around ideas. I really value ideas and I value, I think, to, them in two ways. Um, or I guess there's two uh, qualifications to that. Um, not all good. Not all ideas are good ideas. Um, so I really value thoughtful ideas. I, I love when somebody brings a different perspective, a different point of view, or a brand new idea that they've clearly have thought through, even if it's not an area that's within their expertise or or anybody at Fuses. 
but they have done the research and they know um, or really genuinely believe that an idea is going to work for us. Um, and and uh, I, I think that's fantastic. And then there's another part, which you know, you'll probably sort of laugh at this, but I think that we are most successful when we follow this um, you know, Saturday Night Live style of idea generation where, you know, in Saturday Night Live, you know, come Monday morning, it's about volume. You know, it's not about pitching the 10 ideas that may become the sketches on the following Saturday night. It's about getting to 200 ideas on the first day and then over time arriving at the best 10 because the group has had a chance to work on those ideas together and, and hone them. So I, I'm, I love when we have staff that are idea generators that never uh, turn off that part of their brain because I feel like we need a lot of ideas just to get to the ones that can help us innovate or be differentiated in some way. Who do you approach when you really need honest advice that you can rely on? Um, I think that when it's in the context directly of our business, I consider myself unbelievably fortunate. I'm in a situation that very few of my peers are in, which is that I have two business partners, Brett Smith and Issa Salabini, who we are equal partners in the business. We have each have a role of the business that we manage, but that we contribute to the business as a whole as well. And we respect each other's opinion where we will always give our opinion, but then allow the person we think is most informed to make the final decision. We don't vote on things. We allow each other to take the lead. So when I have a question about our business, I rely on them. But I'll, I'll tell you, Mark, I don't. that doesn't mean that we have voted and I will go in the direction that maybe even both of them have suggested we go. Um, so sometimes they inform my opinion and and we go in that direction and sometimes it's just great to bounce ideas off of even if we don't we don't go down that path. I think when it comes to issues that are maybe more general or broader than um, our business specifically, maybe it's an issue about leadership or management or um, uh, difficulties in, in decision making in some way. I'm still very close to my college lacrosse coach, Hank Janzik. I speak with him probably you know, every six weeks or so, and I still have a lot of conversations with him that are very helpful on those topics. Bill Carter, 
Thank you very much for speaking with me. Thanks for having me.